Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of Luke as we continue our exploration of the parables. Uh, This is a story with Jesus speaking. Let us uh, listen for the word of the Lord as it comes from Luke 16, chapter uh, chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. Then Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. Charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give me an audit of your management because I am not because you are not going to be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my boss is going to fire me? I'm not strong enough to dig ditches, and I'm too ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that after I've been fired, people will open their doors to me into their homes So he called every one of his boss's debtors one by one. He asked the first, how much do you owe my boss? He answered, 500 gallons of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 250 gallons. He asked another, how much do you owe? And he replied, a thousand bushels of wheat. He said, take your bill and make it 800. And his boss, the rich man, commended him, the dishonest manager, because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into eternal homes. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Does this parable leave you feeling a little strange? (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want to come to church on Sunday morning and hear the word audit? I had a friend who worked for the IRS, and he he said he would show up, and and the first thing out of his mouth would be, hi, we're here from the IRS, and we're here to help. (laughs) And the people always said, and we're glad you're here. (laughs) Oh, this is one that makes us kind of uncomfortable. He's given away the boss's money, and yet at the end, he's lifted up as an example, something of a hero. Uh, this this uh, parable has embarrassed Presbyterians for centuries. <laughs> Reminds me of my college roommate who lived on a perpetual moral holiday. <clears throat> this is a radical parable that Jesus shares with us. Uh, and, and I have to say, the Gospel of Luke, that writer was so nervous about it, he tacked on three different endings. <laughs> Wanted to make sure that he took the edge off a little bit. But this is an edgy parable. Uh, A parable built on some paradox, and it has a shocking effect. One of my favorite New Yorker cartoons was, um, had three panels. You know, that classic panel of the guy on the desert island with the beard and the long hair laying underneath the palm tree. He's laying there under the palm tree with the thought bubble overhead, and the thought bubble's completely empty. (laughs) 
And in the second panel, uh, Coconut falls and conks him on the head. And on the third panel, there are all sorts of expletive deleteds that are, that are there because all of a sudden he has had thought. Well, I think this is the conk on the head. Uh, this, this passage from Jesus, this story of Jesus, it jolts us into thinking and saying, what's going on? This parable, this paradox, this shocking story that, that is supposed to tell us about God. It breaks through our conventional understanding of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to think about ourselves. It is provocative. The story of the unexpected audit. A man is managing someone else's property. A rumor comes that he's squandering the property. He's confronted with looming unemployment and we expect him to do one of two things. Maybe he's gonna go shake down those deadbeats who aren't paying up uh, and twist their arms and make them pay. Or maybe he's gonna load up his suitcase and head for the border and just disappear. But that's not what we get. What we get is that that something else happens. Something else happens and, and, and it just kind of makes us shake our heads and go, but wait a minute, aren't we supposed to play by the rules? Aren't we supposed to play by the rules and to, to work hard to, to get our MBA, to get a spotless track record, to have no arrests, no DUIs, be Rotarian of the year, to be, you know, Presbyterians. Perfect, right? All those things that we're supposed to be, those expectations we have of ourselves. But it's not the perfectionism that's celebrated here. There's something else that shatters our way of thinking. This guy's something of a crook. Let me say it again, he's something of a crook. And the implication of the story is just like us. <laughs> we and our imperfections. We who quietly know the sin that we have in our lives. We wonder if anybody really knows it or if God really knows it. Robert Penn Warren in his novel, All the King's Men, he writes about a corrupt politician named Willie Stark. And Willie says, you know, just plain simple goodness, just plain simple goodness, you cannot inherit that from anybody. You got to make it out of badness. Badness. You know why? Because, he says, there isn't anything else. <laughs> Willie Stark sounds very Presbyterian. We who know our imperfections, our sinfulness, we define ourselves often by our doing. We assess ourselves and one another by our, accompl our accomplishments, our, our perfection. Uh, and, and, and in particular, we kind of uh, assess ourselves by how much we have, cash and profits and wealth. But an audit of our lives would show that when it comes to doing for the world, we could have done much more. We should have done much more. And yet we're given the parable of the unexpected audit, showing the manager as this outstanding procrastinator I mean, what's procrastination? It's a lot of fun until you get the, the, the bill, kind of like a credit card. The debtor has a lot that they owe. 
What's amazing on this story is he's such a bad manager, he doesn't even know what these creditors owe to his boss. But he has responsibilities, and when he's supposed to get people to pay up, Jesus' parable says there's another possibility than being perfect. We can rewrite the story of our lives. We can have something of a paradigm shift that will make all the difference if we can hear it, and it goes something like this. We're going to deal with wealth in our lives. We're going to deal with, with money and with power. That's how the world works. But maybe if we stop judging ourselves based on how successful we are and start worrying in what Jesus says in this story, did you hear it? The crucial turn in this story is make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth you have. Make friends for yourselves. The manager didn't stop participating in the economic system. He just used it for another purpose. He'd been thinking about himself all along, and all of a sudden he turns around and starts thinking about somebody else. What was it this crooked manager did to redeem himself? He took these people who were perennially in debt and restored them. He gave them a second chance. He showed them grace. He built a relationship with them through compassion. He replaced his judgmentalism with grace. What is amazing about this story is he got dirty hands doing it, but the people that he took care of ended up with a clean slate. His job is coming to an end, but the people around him are coming to a new beginning. There's a virtue that Jesus lifted up. Again, I don't know that we really hear it. Jesus commended the man for being shrewd. <laughs> you know, did your mother when you were young say, now grow up and be shrewd? <laughs> Jesus commends them for being shrewd. The manager used to be all about himself. He had a solo existence. But now he's come to a new way of life where he's connected with these other people. He has some sort of sense of compassion for them. Jesus says, make friends for yourselves by means of your unclean wealth, which is to say, give people hope and you will get hope yourselves. Stop worrying about making money and start focusing on making friends. You think of that warning that comes with every stock offering uh, the, that, that offering that, that says past performance does not guarantee future results. And your rate of return may vary. But when you invest in friends, that's kind of how it goes. You never know exactly how it's going to turn out. But for some people in whom you invest, you may get an amazing return in the grace that you show them. This story of an audit makes us uncomfortable on a practical le level and kind of makes us a little nervous when it comes to the end of our lives because the whole idea that we are responsible for our lives, how we live our lives, and that at the end of our lives there will be an accounting. 
It's a story, however, that says, make friends now. And all of a sudden, things may change. You may be surprised what happens at the end. John Kennedy used to talk about running around the neighborhood when they were kids. They would climb over all the fences and walls that were in his part of Boston there. He said when they came to a wall that was really high, they would challenge one another and challenge themselves. They'd take their hat and throw it over the wall. That was commitment. (laughs) You had to go get that hat. I think our Presbyterian version of throwing our hat over the wall is called the stewardship campaign. (laughs) Because we challenge ourselves to say, I think I can give this much. You know, where you, got a, you got a love letter from me this week, you know, sort of updating you on the congregation's progress on that. And so far this year, we're doing okay, but by the end of the year, we, we got a challenge ahead of us. Next year, we got an even bigger challenge. We're going to have to figure out how to, how to meet that challenge together. But, you know, the thing is, when we set ourselves that challenge, recognizing that what are we doing in the church but investing in people. We're investing in the children of the church. We're investing in our ministries together to build one another up, to to experience more the forgiveness and grace that God gives. We're investing in the children in Pontiac to make sure their lives can change, making friends for ourselves with these pledges that we give and these offerings that we share. I wonder what walls we will climb together in the coming years. I think the recognition that God doesn't expect us to be perfect for God to redeem us, but that God gives us through Jesus this parable about building up our friendships, building up community, building up the church, building up one another, building up this community in Christ and our outreach in the world. (sighs) Make friends for yourselves. Don't you say, this is an amazing building. (laughs) I love being out here and just looking around and saying, you know, wow. (laughs) There has been so much invested here and I don't deserve it. I I don't deserve it. But you know what? We're not called to deserve it. We're called to hear those words of Jesus who says, make friends for yourselves by means of what wealth you've been given. And we surely have been given wealth in this building. So maybe the invitation that Jesus gives to us is to say, make sure that every Sunday when you come here, that you reach out and see somebody you don't know and that you take five minutes to go introduce yourselves because you are hosts in this party, right? (laughs) To go introduce yourselves and say, hi, I'd like to know you. Make friends for yourselves by means of this building. I was so moved by the congregational conversations and how many times I heard people say, well, I was intimidated by that building. I didn't know if it'd be okay for me to come in. But once I came in, this intimidating building outside turned into this overwhelmingly warm congregation inside and I felt so welcomed. I had to come back. Make friends for yourselves 
in this wealth that we've been given. And find ways every time you come through the doors to make sure that you are part of that welcoming friendship that Christ intends. Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Part of what we're free to do is we're free to serve one another. We're free to invest our lives and invest our love in the people around us. The parable of the unexpected audit gives us the challenge to get a new bottom line in our life, to rewrite the story of our lives. It's no longer about the competition for money. It's no longer about who you beat out, but who you built up. It's not about who you showed up, but who you lifted up. It's not about how perfect you were, but how giving you are. It's not about whose debt you collected, but whose debt you forgave. Your motives do not have to be pure, <laughs> and neither do you. God doesn't expect that of us. Notice in this story, the boss still receives 50 cents on the dollar, which isn't too bad for a, an investment that's gone south. It's not about sloppy agape. Uh, there's a clear focus there that, that focuses very, very clearly on friendship. Make friends for yourselves. Build up the community. It's not about your imperfect money. Use that imperfect money. The manager here is a crook. He's lazy. He's a cheat. He's a procrastinator. But he becomes a friend. Building up community among people who now will have experienced grace. And the boss loves it. Stop obsessing about how perfect everything has to be in your life. Start making friends. Build up that sense of community. We are the managers that God entrusts with this gift of life. Use your life to create community. Spend your lives taking the pressure off of other people. You're managing the major asset that you have in your life, which is the love that God has given to you. Spend your love. Invest in the people around you. In this parable, God is the boss. We're the dishonest manager. At the beginning, there was a problem between the boss and the manager. But by the end of the story, there is not. There's a new appreciation. There's a new relationship. Because what God cares most about is that grace that is given. God wants to use what is entrusted to us to build up the world. Spend your life by spending your love on those around you. And then at the big accounting that is coming for us all, well, at that accounting, you may be just surprised by how welcomed you are into the heavenly home. Amen.